as I mentioned in the, in the media this past week, social media, that uh, we just completed seven weeks of practical training for being a witness. And that does not mean the completion of the series is the completion of the task. That that was simply a way for us to be equipped to do that which God has commanded us to do, to be his witnesses. And we have tools that we are using in that respect. And I want to uh, just say that the seven weeks was the launch pad for what we're going to be about and for what we're going to do as a church. And that is to be his witness. Well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we're obedient. Secondly, we acknowledge it. Thirdly, we celebrate it. And fourth, I just want to give you an opportunity to share. So each time we meet together, whether it's in here or in Bible study or in a deacon's meeting or a staff meeting, I really want this to be the first thing we talk about. How have you been doing this week? How did you share? What was your experience? Whether good or bad. So I'm going to ask someone to to share today. I'll come out to you with a microphone. Someone share what your experience has been this past week. And I'll just share with you now, if you didn't see the video, I got to go to the dentist this week. And uh, as I was praying to go to the dentist, I guess it was for the strength to get my car to go, um, I just asked God to give me an opportunity to be a witness, even at the dentist office. So I got that witnessing track, uh, will my pets go to heaven, and I put it in my pocket, And I drove there and evidently the uh, dentist office didn't open up right at nine o'clock when, which was my appointment. So I was sitting out in the parking lot and I heard dogs barking and I looked in my, uh, out the side window and there was a woman with three large dogs in her vehicle. So my dilemma was this, do I walk over there and just talk to her or do I say, if she comes into the dentist office, she's mine. And, and that's what I lean to. If, if she comes into the dentist office, this was an appointment by God. And so there I was sitting, I signed in, sitting down, and sure enough, here she walks in. I said, okay. And uh, I, uh, she signed in, she sat down, and I went over to her. I was like, I'm a dog lover too. She goes, you are? I said, I am. And I saw your dogs out there. And I pulled the, the, the witnessing tract out. I said, did you get one of these? She said, oh, no, but I would be interested. I said, if you read it, you can have it. And she grabbed it out of my hand. And, um, and then I got in trouble because they were calling my name and I didn't hear them. Um, so I then went back and, and I sat in the chair and I got to have a gospel conversation with the person who was working on my teeth. So God used it for good, even though it was really close to cell number one or two. I'm not sure uh, when you look at the the cells in hell, but it was very close to one of those. Um, But God used that time, not because it was my favorite place, not because I was feeling good, but because I made myself available for him to use there. Now, it may have been that there wasn't someone there. And you're still successful if you've made yourself available. You're successful if you share the gospel and they don't come to Christ because you're being obedient. 
So is there anyone this morning, just, just one, that has something they would share? Something happened this week that you got to whether pray for a server or pray for the table where you were eating or, or uh, share the, your testimony with someone? Anyone? I'm looking. I see no hands shooting up. I'll share another one. Last Sunday was, uh, was not an easy day uh, for our family. Um, and I was exhausted, to tell you the truth, after a service. I was just spent. And uh, we went to a restaurant after service, and I just, I didn't feel like it, just being honest. I didn't feel like praying for my server. But... Um, but she came, very kind, and she was helping me out. And, you know, sometimes when you order in a restaurant, the server's not the one that comes back with your food. And I thought, well, if someone else brings my food, then I won't. Well, she came with the food. I said, okay. And so I just said, hey, we give thanks for our food. And is there anything in your life that we can pray for on your behalf, health or family? She smiled and she thought for a moment and she said, no, everything's really good right now. I said, great, we'll pray for that. So it doesn't matter how you feel either. I'm going to be asking again. And I'm hoping to hear one of your stories next week. Our verse today, we're only looking at one verse. Um, it's First Chronicles 16 34. And uh, you can turn to there. We'll, we'll get there soon. But we're entering into a season of uh, holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And for some people, this is the most difficult time of the year. Understandably so, because life is not easy. There are some lessons that I learned over the years in, in let me just set it up this way, that as dark or as bright as your day may be, as difficult or as easy as your circumstances are, as high as the mountain you face or as grand as your perspective from the mountaintop, as painful as your loss or the joy you're experiencing, this is it. God is still God. He is God and he is worthy of our worship and he is worthy of our thanks. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Sometimes I think we just need a reminding that we do have a reason to give thanks being grateful strengthens our faith. And it changes our perspective by acknowledging that God has given us something that we did not deserve. His grace, his love, his forgiveness. You may have heard that uh, sometimes we get into situations in life that, that we can't see the forest because of the tree. That we can be so consumed over one part of our life that we fail to recognize everything else that God has done in our life. 
It's like the one thing blinds us. And so we have to be mindful of that. We have to be intentional here. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I read that verse this week, and I thought, well, here we go again. And the reason why I say that is we often ask, what is God's will? What's God's will for me? And I'm learning, you know what? If we just read the Bible, we find out what God's will is for us. So here's what I know. It's God's will for us to be his witness. No doubt, no question, that's his will. It's his will that we're transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We learned last week that it's his will for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we see here that it's his will to give thanks in all circumstances. I tell you, this is a perspective I have never had. If it's God's will for me to give thanks to him in all circumstances, what is it called when I do not do what God says to do? Disobedience, which is a three-letter word? Sin. What did we learn about sin? Well, when we come aware of sin, we confess the sin. We get rid of ourselves so that we can be filled by the Holy Spirit. So when we choose not to give thanks, we're choosing to sin against God. Giving thanks is easy when we determine our circumstances are good, but are they always good? Is your life always good? I would say no. Now, this verse does not mean that we falsely give thanks. It does not mean we, we look and we're scratching our head and we say, thank you for this disease. Thank you for the death. Thank you for letting me lose my job. It's not falsely saying things like this to God. Instead, it means through every circumstance we give thanks to God. For what? Sometimes when we're in the midst of that, we're like, okay, I'm supposed to, but but for what? What do I give thanks for? Let me give you a short list. Give thanks for God's forgiveness. Give thanks for God's grace. Give thanks for his patience and his mercy and his love. Give thanks for his provision and for his promise. Give thanks for his healing and for his presence and his guidance. If you're a child of God, give thanks that he can use you to share his goodness through the circumstance that you find yourself in. Somehow, some way, I don't know how God's going to use it, but right now, sitting in the waiting room, I can give thanks to God. I can share his goodness with other people who are in a similar situation that they might not know who he is. This morning, we're going to give thanks for who God is. And I only chose one verse. And it's a verse that we we could easily commit to memory. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. 
We're just going to walk through that verse. And I pray that as we go through this verse, that God would just open up your heart and mind to see the the majesty, the glory, the power that he is and is available for you and me today. Oh, give thanks. That is a phrase that is an expression of praise. That's an outward thing, an expression of praise and making a public confession about God's goodness and his attributes. Now, that's more than bowing my head and saying, God, I thank you that you are so good. That's not a public confession, is it? But that's what this phrase means. Express praise and make a public confession over God's attributes and power. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Now, you may have heard that word Lord because of the way it's written in the Bible. It's all capital letters. That means it's a different uh, meaning or a different uh, Hebrew word than what you might find in other terminology. So the word Lord here also is Yahweh, Adonai, and Jehovah. And what that word means, what that title is, it's an It's a direction of the living God, acknowledging the living God with an emphasis of his covenant relationship with his people. So this is the personal God. Oh, give thanks to the personal God. So who can give thanks to the Lord? Well, by nature of his name, only those who are in a covenant relationship with him. That's what the name refers to. It's that relationship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We use that word good for our food. We use that word good for a movie. We use the word good for weather. So what does it mean that God is good? Luke 18, 19, Jesus declared, no one is good except God alone. To say that God is good means that he always acts according to what is right and true. Goodness is part of God's nature, and he cannot go against his nature. The Holy Spirit accomplishes God's goodness in you and me as we yield to his authority. That's Galatians 5, 22. James 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. The fact that God is good means that there's no evil in him. Now, I'm going to ask for your participation this morning. I want to make three statements. And the answer will be obvious as we're talking about God's goodness. And I just want you to to join me in saying it. Because he is good... His intentions and his motivations are always what? Good. See how this works? Now you know the answer for the second one. Because he is good, he always does good. And the outcome of his plan is always what? Because he's good. There is no evil in him. And, and when we go through difficult circumstances, troubling times, we might ask God, why? 
Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you cause this to happen? Why did it happen to me or to her or to him or to us? Why now? Why didn't you prevent it? Let me just respond to those kinds of questions. Three ways. First, evil was not God's plan. When he created all things in Genesis, it was good. He created man and woman. It was very good. He created all things and they were in perfect fellowship with him. That's good. But in comes sin. And this is why God hates sin. Because it causes pain and it causes suffering. It causes death and it causes separation from God the Father. Second, God owes us nothing. See, God is good, but without his work in us, we're not good. We were born rebellious. We were born with a spirit that was against God. We live selfishly. We have accumulated so much sin debt against God. There's no way we can begin to make payments. We don't deserve special treatment. And we certainly do not deserve an explanation. Third, God gave us everything. God gave us his righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ. God paid our sin debt through the blood of Jesus Christ. God promises eternal life with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And why would he do that? Because God is the standard for all that is good. He loves us and he provides the way of reconciliation and perfect healing to each of us. Therefore, we express praise and we make a public confession for who he is, no matter what. I'll give you some examples throughout scripture. In the belly of the well, uh, you know Jonah. Uh, Jonah was a prophet of God, which would indicate that he loved God. But he had a rebellious spirit. God told him to do something, and he said no. He went the other way, and he went. Uh, his intention was to go as far the other way as he possibly could. Well, that rebellious spirit wound him up into the belly of a fish. And here's what we're told. In the belly of a fish, three days, Jonah prayed with a voice of thanksgiving. Now, let me just pause there for a second. Jonah did not know he was going to be puked up onto land. Jonah did not know that this was the, uh, was not the end. Jonah had no idea. All that he knew was he messed up. He rebelled against God. God punished him. And here he is in the belly of a fish. But with a voice of thanksgiving, he prayed. In the darkness, he prayed with thanksgiving. Facing the punishment of death, Daniel prayed and thanked God three times a day. As a prisoner, the apostle Paul was on the ship with a Roman guard. A violent storm overtook them. The men did not eat for two weeks as they were being tossed around by the raging sea. 
And they had given up all hope of being saved. And Paul thanked God for what they believed was their last meal. Standing before the tomb of his friend Lazarus, Jesus not only wept, but he thanked God for hearing and answering his prayers. At the Last Supper, Jesus broke the bread and he gave thanks to God. Knowing that this broken bread and the drink would soon represent his crucified body and his spilt blood for sin. Yet he gave thanks. I'm going to ask you to do something today. It'd be great if you participated. It'll be easy on your part. Some of you are doing it already. But close your eyes. (laughs) Close your eyes. And this may or may not apply to you. But if you'll just close your eyes just for a few moments. And I want you to ask yourself, what is the barrier in my life to giving thanks to God? And as you recognize your hurt or your fear or your lack of understanding, as you look at that tree that's before you, in your mind, would you set your eyes on God and all his glory? In your mind, would you turn your attention to the cross where Jesus suffered and died for your sin? Would you believe that he loves you more than you can imagine? Would you know that he hurts and weeps with you? It is there, beholding the goodness and glory of God, that we can give thanks no matter what. Open your eyes. Sometimes we just need to reset. We need to be reminded of who God is. We need to be reminded that this is not about us. We need to be reminded that life is not fair. My my youngest son had a, a sensei out in Arizona, and he would change the rules all the time. And you would hear these kids, and it's like, that's not fair. And the sensei would say this. If you want fair, they sell tickets once a year, and you can go there. But life isn't fair. And wow, what a lesson. Because it's not always fair. It does not always go the way we want it to. But God is good. And our verse continues, his steadfast love endures forever. And we're going to focus on steadfast love, mentioned 195 times in the Old Testament. But it endures forever. So everything that we're talking about endures forever. To endure means to hold up under. That means in spite of us and our shaking our fist at God, being angry at God, turning our backs on God, in spite of all of those things, his love endures to the end of infinity. Oh, that's big. See, it's not about you and me. It's about him. He is the great God. He is the good God. He is worthy of all worship and praise. 
This love describes God's unwavering loyalty, his unfailing kindness, and his persistent devotion. Toward whom? His covenant people. Those who are in a covenant relationship with him. That's who this is for. To be clear, you cannot have a covenant relationship with God unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, his son, for salvation. That means uh, it's not just applicable to First Baptist Church of Boaz and people who think like us. That's not what I'm talking about. All over the world, every faith, every religion who claims to have a relationship with God without Jesus Christ is a liar. And they will not achieve what they believe they're achieving when it comes to eternity. Jesus Christ is the only way. That's not a Southern Baptist thing. That is a Bible thing. And we believe the Bible to be true and we cling to the truths of the Bible. For if we do not cling to that, what do we cling to? God has given Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth. And it's stated in God's word that no one comes to the Father except through him. Once you have a personal relationship with the Lord, you're his for eternity. Being bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, he will not rescind the payment. He will not ask for a refund. We cannot walk away. We are his. God exhibits unwavering loyalty. In other words, God is unchanging in his character and in his word. We might think that he's being loyal to us. And he is to some degree, but he's being loyal to his character because he cannot go against who he is. That makes him completely trustworthy and reliable, even when we don't understand what's going on around us or going on in our lives. At his wife's funeral just three weeks ago, my son ended his statement with this word. I trust God right now. That's all I can do. What a great lesson. It doesn't matter how tragic it is. All you can do is trust God right now. And then do it again. And again. And again. God exhibits unfailing kindness. Kindness is compassion and generosity toward others. See, God was not caught off guard if you're dealing with something in your life. He was not not surprised when it happened. But he did not abandon. He doesn't look down from heaven and feel sorry for you and me. We sometimes forget that God empathizes with us. That means he knows the pain. He knows the sorrow. He knows the grief. And he weeps with us. Since he became flesh and dwelt among us, and since he was tempted in every way, yet without sin, since he experienced loss, separation, and disappointment, since he was ridiculed and rejected, 
since he was burdened and beaten and lied about and crucified, God knows every need that you have. And he is faithful in providing every need. And he's generous with that offering. God exhibits persistent devotion. How devoted is God? Well, I would say he's all in. He didn't hold anything back. Jesus shed his blood for us knowing that we would be angry with him knowing that we were his enemy, knowing that we would question his authority, knowing that we would live our own lives, yet Jesus still shed his blood. The promised Holy Spirit resides in us even when we think that God has abandoned us. And in the darkness of our grief, God has not forsaken us. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. Last week, we learned, or perhaps we were reminded, that when the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we respond to the Holy Spirit. This is how we empty ourselves of ourselves. And this is how we're filled with the Holy Spirit under his control and authority. This is how we live in the power of God as we leave this place. And and also, just as a reminder, we don't wait till Sunday to deal with the things going on in our lives. But when God brings it up, that's when we deal with it. Confess, agree with God about your sin, agree with God about his righteousness, turn from that activity find the way out he promises that every time you're tempted he will create a way out for you see we're without excuse today and we must turn from those things that have pulled us in that's entrapping us so this morning i'm just going to ask a question will you give thanks no matter what we know from god's word that we just read this morning that we can only give thanks to God if we're in a covenant relationship with him. That covenant relationship only happens through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So as, as the followers of Jesus Christ respond to the Holy Spirit today and, and just giving thanks to God, just know that that relationship can only be facilitated and completed by the work of Jesus Christ in your life. So I would ask this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God the Son? Do you believe that he was born here on this earth? Do you believe he lived a life without sin? Do you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sin? Do you believe that he was buried in a tomb and then three days later was raised again from the dead? Do you believe that to be true? And let me just say this. Belief is your first step towards salvation. It's not salvation. Satan believes everything I just said, but he's not saved. It's your response to him in faith 
That's where you embrace the salvation he offers you. And you step toward him in faith. You confess him with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And maybe that's the missing component today in your life. You've been a believer. You've been attending. You're part of this, but you're missing the relationship with God through Jesus Christ because you've never yielded the authority of God. You believe, but you never responded. And what he asks of us right now is to yield. Whether you're a believer or not, yield. Come to him, all who are weary. He will give you rest. So that's our invitation today. Whatever it may be, respond to the Holy Spirit. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. Will you today? Ryan, would you come on up? You and Mike, lead us in a time of invitation. I'm going to lead us in prayer. I'll be right here if you need me. Altar will be open if God's so leading you to come. If you need Jesus, that's all you have to say. Come this morning and say, I need Jesus today. And let us direct you to the cross. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for being good. Thank you for extending your goodness to us. Thank you for the covenant relationship that you've offered us through Jesus Christ. Lord, as we come to you now, as you work in our lives, we now respond to you for your glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.